listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Today, we're going to take a look at some more. Uh, we're going to dive into our, our scripture today. In fact, one of the verses that we ended on last week, we're going to take a look at. But before we do, you need to understand that today's message is all about not just the truth of scripture, but how do we apply it to our heart? And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, I don't know if we can bring the lights up just one more notch. I really can't see you guys. So I'd like to be able to see. All right. Uh, so I can see you guys now. Here we go. The verse that we ended last week uh, was in John chapter 8, verse 31. It simply said this. It says, Jesus says, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Meaning that if you would just hold on to God's word, you are, you can really be Jesus's disciples. And then he says, when you do that, when you hold, when you hold on to God's word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, a lot of us today and so many of us, we've been bound by different things in our life. And the only thing that can totally set us free is the truth of Scripture and the truth of God's Word. So today, I want to talk about how do we do this very thing? How do we hold on to God's Word? I have lots of content for you today, much more content than normal. So I hope you have your message notes with you um, because we're going to fly through some of these message notes. Here's the first one. It's simply this. It's, it's that... Uh, in order to hold on to God's word, you have to make it the foundation for your life. We make it the foundation of our life. <coughs> Excuse me. You have to make it a foundation, meaning that everything in your life is built upon God's word. That's what a foundation is. A foundation is something, now you don't typically see foundations, but they're there. They're underneath. They're holding the structure up. In fact, I'd say it like this, the quality of the structure is dependent on the foundation that it has. So you need to have a good foundation. So let me say it like this, the quality of your marriage, the quality of your emotions, the quality of your life, your parenting, it, all of it is contingent on what your foundation looks like and what your foundation is. And I today want to present to you, I want your foundation to be God's word. Nothing better. In fact, God, uh, in fact, Jesus tells us that God's word should be our foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a man who built his house on the rock. A man, essentially what Jesus is saying is it's like someone who has a solid foundation. Someone who is going to be able to stand through. In fact, uh, the next verse Jesus says, and I don't have time to give all this to you, but to paraphrase it here, uh, Jesus essentially says, now that you have a solid foundation, when the storms come, and he says there are going to be storms, but when the storms come, now you're able to stand firm in the middle of the storm. When the winds come, when the rain comes, you have that solid foundation. And the Bible actually, or Jesus actually calls the Bible a rock, a firm foundation. And so I want you to have that foundation because storms are going to come in your life. There are going to be storm seasons of your life where the wind and the rain is going to beat up against your house and you need a solid foundation. Now I know that, um, 
that that doesn't, it's not, it's not so great to talk about a church. I know you come to church to get encouraged and everything like that, but you need to know that the storm that you, you are going to have some storms in your life. And as much as I would like as your pastor to make the storm stop, unfortunately, I can't make the storm stop. There's no way, there's nothing that I can do to make the storm stop, but I can prepare you to have a solid foundation so that when that storm comes, you are able to last through it. I don't want you to fall. I don't want you to collapse. But the problem is, so many of us, even Christians... We collapse when the storm comes. And the reason is, is that we're not truly built on God's word. God's word is not our true foundation. The problem for so many of us is, is that we build our foundation on something different. We build our foundation, and every one of us, maybe our foundation looks a little bit different, but we all build it on the wrong things. And so I'm going to give you, if God's word is the foundation that I want you to build on, I'm going to give you some, some foundations that so many of us often, instead of building upon God's word, we build on these different things. Here's the first thing, if you're taking notes. So many of us, we have a foundation. We, we build our foundation on pop culture. And that's, that's, it's, it's something, we just build our foundation on the things that influence us around us, or the, the things that influence us. And can I tell you that that's not a good thing to build your life on? This idea of, oh, well, if everyone else is doing it, so I, I can do it now. So I should be able to do it. Everybody needs to do it. That, this whole idea, it's not a good thing to build your life on. Because I'm telling you, the world continues and will continue uh, to change. Things will change and things will shift and change. And that's not a good foundation to be upon. Listen, when popular culture changes and goes, so will your life. And I'm just encouraging you. You need to build your life upon God's word. Pop culture will come and go, but the truth never changes. And one of the best decisions that you can make really in your life is, hey, how much of the secular world am I going to let in me? How much am I going to allow in my life? And to be honest, I have to, I have to ask that same question in my life. How far am I going to go? How, how, much, how much TV, right, am I going to watch? How, 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 much, how many things am I going to let in my life? Because I'm telling you, it, it affects your life. And you just need to watch. And, and it's different for each and every one of us. But you just need to know for yourself, how much, how, how much can I let in my life? In fact, there's a lot of verses out there that talk about this. One of them, I think, really sums it up really well. Exodus 32, verse 2 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Simple, everybody. Scripture is simple, and there it is. Don't follow the crowd in doing the wrong things. Don't just go with them. Just be careful. I want you to be careful about it today. Here's the second thing that so many people, uh, they, they, they form their foundation upon these things. The second one is tradition. A lot of us, our foundation is tradition. For a lot of people, their foundation isn't built on the truth of God, but they've built it on the traditions that they have. Now, let me say it like this. There's nothing wrong with traditions. I love traditions. I'm actually a very traditional person. I've, I've talked to you before about how if we would ever build a church or find like an old-fashioned A-frame church, I would love to have like a, an old-school church with like some stained glass, but then do all the technology and stuff like we do. I think we could just really do something unique. And, uh, and we might do that one day. That, that would be pretty awesome. But I, so I love the tradition of things. I love hymns. I grew up 
tradition, in, in a traditional church when I was in middle school, a, a, Lutheran, a Lutheran church in school, and it was just a tradition. I, I love the aspects of tradition, but a lot of the times, there people hang on to their tradition at the expense of truth. They would rather have their tradition than know the truth of God's word. And so they think tradition is more important. And just because we've done it that way, and just because we've always sang that song, and just because this is the way it's always been, we stand by that even if God's word says something different. And that's why for, for so many of us, you'll get a fight from some people more about the way that they do something rather than the truth of it, than the truth of God's word. So people will say, well, well, you just don't change my stained glass windows. Don't change my pew. Don't change my music. Don't change any of it. But they're comfortable changing what the Bible says. And I'm just warning you that that's out there today. And there's, there's groups, there's denominations that are shifting and changing. And they would rather change with the tradition that they have rather than trust in the word of God. And honestly, that's a lot of places. The churches have made the choice. They hang on to something that's 100 years old, but they don't care. They, let's go ahead and change the Bible. Listen, you're changing the wrong thing, everybody. Scripture has lasted forever and will last forever. We are the ones that need to change, not Scripture. In fact, Jesus talked about it. In fact, tradition, Jesus talked a lot about tradition. That's why it's on my list. In Mark chapter 7, verse 8, he says, You have let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to human traditions. Even in Jesus' day, some valued tradition more than God's word. In fact, I talk to people all the time who say, well, no, 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 I, I could never come to your church because you don't sing any of the hymns. And the hymns are the true worship songs. You know, they're the, they're the ones that are inspired by God. But, but what I, my question always becomes like, but is anybody worshiping to them? And yes, some people can worship to hymns and that's fantastic. And when you do, that's great. But I'm not just going to do it just out of pure tradition. Listen, even we, we sing new songs here all the time. And, uh, and we don't sing the same songs over and over and over again. It's on purpose because we try to worship to things that people are worshiping too. But we can also throw, I, I, I love how our church, we can sing a brand new song today like Jaira. And then we can end it with I Exalt Thee. And you know why we do it? Because people are worshiping to it. That's what, that's what people are worshiping to. If, it's worship, if you're worshiping to it, it's fine. But if you're just singing the same old stuff out of tradition, why are you doing it? What's the point? Don't build your life on just mere human traditions, Jesus says. Instead, trust in God's word. I want, you to, I want you to have your foundation in God's word. Here's another one that people, a lot of people build their foundation on their own reason. On their own reason. And reason just means, well, this is what seems right to me. This, I, I think this is the right way. And so this is, this is how we're going to do things. And, so, and they build it on their thoughts and what they think. Even, even churches right now, even churches will, will, will form a committee and say, well, this is what we think about, about that. And this is what we think about it. And I, listen, I challenge this very, very strongly, especially today in our culture, because I, a lot of people say, well, I, I know what the Bible says, but things have changed. And I think that it should be different. And I think it should be that. And, and because of that, 
We've redefined a lot of things in our culture. We've redefined marriage. We've redefined sexuality. We, we, we redefine a lot of things that, quite honestly, the Bible is not silent about. The Bible is, is not unclear about those things. And, and we've just decided, well, I think I know better. And I think, I, I think it should be like this. But look at what Scripture says. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end... It leads to death. So we don't build anything on reason. And anytime there's conflict about what you think is right and what God's word says, don't go with you, go with God, everybody. He knows that's what makes him God. And the fact that he's bigger and smarter and he knows better. Why we, we, we trust in someone who's so much greater than us. That's what makes him God. We don't rely. We don't build our foundation on our own reason. Which honestly leads me to this last one. These last two are really connected. For some people, your foundation is built on feelings. You're, you, you've based your whole life about what you felt. I, I, I felt this way, so this is what I did. I felt this way. And in fact, we talk a lot about this one around here. And I got a lot of content to get through. So I'm not going to give you all the stuff that I have for this. But so many people, that's, they, you build your life on, oh, this is how I feel. And I think, honestly, this is the most ridiculous one, but the most popular one that people build their life on. Well, it feels good. Uh, if it feels good, it must be right. And I just want to be very clear. Your feelings will lie to you. If you haven't figured that out yet, your feelings will lie to you. Feelings are wonderful. I I love feelings. I love to get into a worship service like this and feel the presence of God. It's amazing. Feelings are great, but they can't be trusted. In fact, if you've ever trusted your feelings instead of God's word, I, I can promise to you it will end badly for you. And quite honestly, you don't even have to have me preach it to you because it will deliver for you. I mean, it, when you follow your feelings instead of God's truth, chaos will be around the corner. And it, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just warning you. I don't want you to build your foundation on feelings. I want you to build your foundation on God's word, on the truth of scripture. In fact, probably we, we see the, how feelings affect people in the book of Judges. Judges is quite honestly one of the most chaotic books in the Bible. Judges was a period of, of time in the Old Testament uh, where God's people were not trusting him. They were, they were trusting their own feelings. God's people didn't have a king. Every other nation had a king. And they decided they felt like they needed a king. They felt like that that's what they needed. And so we see in the middle of the most chaotic book of the Bible, take a look, Judges chapter 21 says, at that time, there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they felt like doing. And you can read the rest of the book and see what happens. And I'm telling you, it's not good things. Chaos comes from that chaos, you can read it in Judges. And so those are a few things, four things that I want you, I don't want you to build your foundation on those things. I want you to build your foundation on God's word. I thought, well, how can we test ourselves? How can we know whether our foundation is, on, is, is in God's word or not? So I got two questions for you, honestly, a two question test to kind of test you. Let me ask you this, because when you go to read your Bible, when you go to read God's word, 
A lot of people have asked me this question, what do I do when I don't understand it? There's a lot of times that I open up scripture and I just don't understand it. And I'm like, well, God, why did you do it that way? God, why, 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 why did you choose that person? Why, why did you do those things? I, I don't have, maybe you're here today and you're like, when I open up the Bible, I don't have a clue what's going on. You know, like, like I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you're saying to me, God. Listen, at that point, you've got to decide, you know what? Even if I don't understand it, I agree with it. Because God's word is the truth. In fact, that's just the decision that I've made. I've made the decision that even if I don't understand it, God, I trust in your word. Because you know, you know what? Our God is bigger. <laughs> our God, in fact, scripture says that his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Our God is just greater all around. And so there's going to be some things in scripture that you're not going to understand. And, if, and let me say it like this. If everything about God could fit in your brain... I don't think I'd want to serve him. <laughs> Honestly, if everything about God could fit in my brain, why would I need a God if I understood everything? And I, 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 just, I, I just love, I, I, I love to know why God does things. But even if I don't figure it out, I just say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you. You know, I've, still, I've got some questions for when I get to heaven. God, why did you do this? God, what did you mean by this? But I'm, it doesn't make me less of a Christian just because I questioned those things. I've just decided, you know what, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so I'm going to decide to trust you. And you're going to come across some stuff that you don't understand. Better yet, a lot of us, when we read scripture, we're going to come across some stuff that we don't like. So what do I do when I don't like what I read? Well, I just say this to sum it up real simple. You don't always have to like it. You've just got to obey it. That's what God says. So I'm, again, it's this whole idea that I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not just going to trust what I feel for the day. You see, a lot of the times I read the Bible and I'm like, oh man, that, you know, God talks about a, a godly person in the Bible. I'm like, oh man, that's not me. Or he talks about someone who failed and I'm like, oh man, that feels like me. I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I, and so when, when that happens, when I feel like, oh man, I, I, I don't really like what, I don't like how God is doing that. I don't like what God is saying to me. I don't like what God wants me to do. And when I do that, I, I don't adjust the Bible to fit me. I adjust myself to fit the Bible, everybody. And you need to do the same thing when, you've, when you read scripture and you say, oh, there I am, or I'm not doing that. And God wants me to do that. Instead of saying, oh, I don't agree with that or oh, I don't feel like it, you adjust to fit God's word. Listen, I don't always have to like it. I'm just going to obey it. And when you do, it's at that point, a firm foundation is built. In fact, until you obey the Bible, for some of you, you're never going to understand it. In fact, I wrote it down in my notes like this. Understanding is on the other side of obedience. For so many of you, you don't understand scripture because you've never obeyed it. You've never, you, you've never even given it, a given it a chance. Like you'll never know, which is honestly so tragic because this is, this is a tragedy for some people that they, they, <laughs> they don't believe in it because they've never even tried it. And so, so you just got to, instead of saying, oh, I don't like it, I don't agree with it. Have you ever done it? Have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried God's way? And I'm challenging you today. 
that your life can be so much better when you build your foundation on the truth of scripture. Here's the second one today. It's simply this, is that you need to make scripture, you need to make God's word the first part, the first part of your daily life, the very first part. In fact, my job as your pastor is to challenge you. And I don't just want to challenge you, but I also want to make it doable for you. I want to help you. So, so, so just let me help you with making this doable. And you say, well, well, how in the world can I make God's word a part of my daily life? Well, I want to give you a verse, and then I want to give you a couple things uh, in order to put it into practice. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Can I tell you that first things to God are very important? In fact, I could preach a whole message about how the first of your finances, the first of your time, the first of your ability is all very important to God. But so first things are very important to God. So basically the principle of that is, is that when you focus on God, when you focus your first things on God, then God begins to focus on you, which is a great thing. And I want you, I want to introduce you today to a concept that I, I, I think for some of you, it won't be a challenge for you. If you've been serving the Lord for a long time, this will probably be kind of easy for you. But maybe, maybe some of you have served the Lord long enough and, and you've, you, it, it it's actually it might be hard for you. I don't know. But I think I'm going to give you a challenge today that's very beautiful. I think it's very, it's very doable for you. I'm simply calling it, if you're, if you're taking notes, I'm simply calling it the first 15. The first 15. All I'm asking everybody is 15 minutes of your day. You got 15 minutes, everybody? Y'all got 15 minutes? You got, okay. I, I hope you do. I have 15 minutes. Everybody's got 15 minutes. 15 minutes that you can give to God. Three things, five minutes apiece I want to give you today. Here's the first one out of the first 15. It's simply this. I want you to spend, try this, spend five minutes in the Word. Spend five minutes in Scripture. If you want to learn this principle and make, make it the first part of your daily life, you need to spend five minutes in Scripture. Now, here's what I do. I read uh, the, the one-year Bible. That's, that's my scripture. That's my, that's my easy scripture read for the day. The one-year Bible is, is it's a really neat thing. If you read, if you would be consistent with it and read it every day uh, for a whole year, you would read all the way through the Bible. And uh, it's a very neat thing. Now, the one-year Bible is about a 15-minute read. It gives you an Old Testament passage, New Testament passage, a psalm, and a proverb. And it's a, it's a great read. But you say, well, Pastor Noah, you said five minutes, five minutes. So, okay, if you don't got, if you don't got 15 minutes for the one-year Bible, how about this? Read, read the, uh, just read the New Testament reading out of the one-year Bible. You say, oh, I don't got that much time. Okay, then read the psalm. You say, well, I don't, I, I don't have that much time. Well, read one proverb, everybody, just one proverb. You say, oh, I don't have enough time to read a proverb. Read one sentence, everybody. I, and, I, <laughs> and I'm very serious, everybody. I just, it, it, even if you would just read a sentence a day, I'd rather read you, I, I would rather you read a sentence a day than nothing. And I'm very serious. I just, one sentence, that one sentence, I believe, can begin to change your life. It's better than nothing at all. And I'm just asking you to give it a try. Try this at home and you can put it to a test. In fact, I'd encourage you that these, this 555 thing that I'm going to give you, do it for a week and just see what happens. See if you have a better week. In fact, do it for 21 days 
It takes, scholars say that it takes 21 days to make, to create a new habit. Do it for 21 days. And I, I, I bet you wouldn't do it. And the amazing thing is, is that scripture is available for you anywhere and everywhere at this point. You can download so many devotional apps. You have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's so easy. I listen to it. I, mean, I listen to the YouVersion Bible app. Just hit play on it. It's so easy. You can do it on your way to work, everybody. Y'all got to go to work instead of listening to Fox News or CNN or whatever you do on the radio. Like, let, let the first media that you hear... Let it be scripture. Let it be God's word. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life. In fact, here's what, here's what scripture says about it. Look, take a look. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. You know what that means? That means now that when I go into those appointments, I've got the wisdom of God with me. I've got wisdom for, to answer these emails. I got wisdom when I walk into this job. I got wisdom when I go to school. It's a light to my path. Five minutes in the word. Here's the second one. I want you to spend five minutes in worship. Just spend some time worshiping God. All you've got to do is listen to it, everybody. It's easy. You just got to play something. Just listen to it. In fact, I, I, there's, it's one of my favorite parts of my devotional time every day. I just turn on one song. And honestly, it's kind of amazing how just one song can soothe that savage that's in me in, in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else not a morning person? Like you just wake up, you're just already grumpy and angry at the world. I mean, it's honestly, it's just amazing how one song can just change my attitude. And my, quite frankly, many of you probably experienced that today when you got here. Y'all came in with your feathers ruffled up and your tail between your legs, you know, like the world's done beat you up all week. Maybe you try to, you try, you're trying to, your arm hurts from trying to slap your kids in the car on your way to, I, you know, I don't know what it is for you. You came in, I, I'm just telling you, you're, you're all puffed up and, and then a song came on about Jesus. We, Jaira, you are now, and it's like, hallelujah. And then it just is amazing how it can, and, and it calmed that savage beast inside of you too. And I'm telling you, worship is powerful. And I can, and music alone is powerful. And I could preach a whole message about how powerful music is. But I'm telling you, worship music especially, it is powerful. You say, well, I don't have any, I don't have any good worship music. Listen, it's all over the place. Download an app called Spotify, everybody. Get, get your Spotify or Apple Music or what, whatever. I, and find some music. You can have it. Most of the time, you can all have it all for free. But find some worship music, turn it on. I'm just asking you, five minutes every day. Spend it five minutes in the Word. Look at what, uh, look at what Scripture says, Psalm 34, verse 1. This is supposed to say exalt, but it says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship. And finally, I would love for you to spend five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer. And some of you, you can spend more time for that than that. You can spend a lot more time in prayer than that. But for some of us, that's a stretch. You know, five whole minutes in prayer. But I promise you, five minutes, you're not going to run out of things to talk about. I, I'm telling you, if you really try this thing out, you're not going to run out of things in five minutes. And if you, I'm just, if you just had this 15 minutes with God every day, I'm telling you, it, it, it changes everything. And I don't even know, you, you might say, well, I don't even know how to pray for five minutes. 
I don't even have, how do I, Pastor Noah, how do I pray for five minutes? Well, here's your verse. I want to give it to you. There's two things that we see in this verse in Philippians chapter four. If you're struggling to pray for five minutes, here's an outline, two different things. I need you to thank God for what he's done in your life and then present your request, everybody. If you would just thank God and give him your request, I promise you, you can spend five minutes praying. Let's read the whole verse. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then guess what happens? When you spend that five minutes in prayer, when you present your requests to God, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need that peace of God that passes all understanding. Every single day of the week, I need his peace. Five minutes, five minutes, put it to the test. And listen, you don't have to agree with me today, but you can test it. I tell you, do it for a week, do it for 21 days. See what happens, five, five, and five. It can change your life. I promise, I promise. Got lots of stuff to talk about. I'm gonna move on. Here's the third level of holding on to God's word. It's simply this, is that you need to make it grow deeper in your life. Make God's word grow deeper in your life. So like today, it's all great that you're in church. This is one step to helping you grow deeper in life. It's one, it's one great step is, is being here. It's helping you grow deeper. And I hope when you come to church, I hope you feel like, man, I'm getting a bit deeper in my relationship with God. But you've, let me just say it like this. You have to make it grow deeper. You have control over how much of God is in you and how much of the world is in you as well. You have to, this is a personal thing. You have to make it grow deeper. Let me give you a scripture and then I wanna give you an illustration. Here's the scripture here first. In Colossians chapter three, verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, which simply means to go deeper. This word here, it just means let the word of God go deeper and deeper. Let it dwell in you richly. And to show you this, I just want to give you a, a little illustration here. I've got this tea bag, and I've got this glass, a big giant glass of water, actually, for you today. And uh, this, so this is, this is what I've got. This tea bag for us today represents God's word. This is his word. We have access to it. It's here. And this cup is our life. This cup is your soul. And so this is your life, and, and this is the Word of God. And some of you, you're here today, and that's great. And you come to church on Sunday, I'm going to push this down in here a little bit. So it, whoop. You come to church on Sunday, and you're kind of like, just kind of like a single dipper. So you, you come to church, and you're here for, you know, you're, you're here for about an hour, you got a message for about 30 minutes, and and yeah, and you worship today, and, and it's great. And you, you dipped in there once, and then you're out. Now, there's a little change, right? Can you see kind of, it changed colors a little bit. But it, 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 does, it didn't do much change. You know, I wish my messages would do a lot more change, but quite honestly, they don't. This is about as much change as you get once a week, everybody. I wish they were more effective, but this is a long way from tea. You know, I got a tea, but this is, you're not tea yet, but, but there's, there's a little bit 
of change. You can't call it tea or anything, but it, there's something there. And it's better than nothing at all. So I'm glad that you're here today. But what I need you to do is I just, I need you to dip a little bit more. So when you go home during the week, I need you to do the five, five, and five. And I need you to, the 15 minutes, and I just need you to dip just a little bit longer and dip just a little bit more. And I, 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 I need you, if you do it again, if you do it every day of the week, and you just keep dipping, I'm telling you, it will change you. And it's already, look, everybody's magic already changing before your eyes, you know? And there, there it is. And that's my goal. I want, to, I want you to let the word of God grow in you, dwell in you richly. And you say, well, well Noah, what's going to happen? Well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start taking on the nature of that thing that you're putting in your life. You're going to start looking like scripture says. You're going to look better. You're going to taste, well, I, I, hope, I hope I look better, everybody. But I'm, <laughs> I, I would love to re- read the word of God and lose 50 pounds, you know. Like, but I don't know about that. Can't promise you that. But you, you're, you're, going to, you're going to taste a little bit better, everybody. It's just the truth. You're going to become that which you're putting in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, what are those dips? What are the things that I can dip into my life? Well, let me give you some of the dips that you can put in your life. Here's, here's the first thing. Here's what would make it easier. If you would just get a Bible translation that you like. Get a translation that you like. In fact, one of the reasons why I give this to you is because I, I always have a lot of questions about translations. In fact, even just today, before the first service, had a question about what Bible, I'm getting a new Bible. What Bible translation do I need to get? What's a, I've had people ask me, well, what's up with all the different translations of the Bible? Why are there so many translations of the Bible? People have asked me, which is the right translation of the Bible? And you know, which one, which one is the right one? Well, everybody, Hate to break it to you, but there is no right translation of the Bible. In fact, the reason that there are translations is because the Bible wasn't written in English, everybody. It happened in another country thousands of years ago. And some of, in fact, your Old Testament is wrote in the Hebrew language, and that's the language of the nation of Israel. And, and the Greeks wrote the New Testament, and it was the Greeks were real close, close to Israel. They're the ones that would transcribe it and write out the New Testament. So the Bible's in two different languages. And unless any of you speak Hebrew or Greek, it's all translated for us, everybody. And so that means that we have English translations. And because it's a translation, not any of it is just perfect. There's no way to do that. Uh, But one of the very first translations ever was something called the King James Version. How many of you grew up on the King James Version Bible? It was the only, some some of them, it's the only true, it's the only true translation. But Honestly, that's not, that's not the case. There have been many more written after that. Uh, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's not the, just the true version because the King James, well, let me give you a little bit of background. The King James Version was written in 1611. And of course, the King James Version writes or it, it, it reads just like someone who would talk in 1611, everybody like that. That is the reason that it, it reads like that. And honestly, some people have revered it as if God was from England. <laughs> you know, I mean, people go so strict with this King James Version. I mean, you, you could almost, they could almost make a case that God was from England. But hey, everybody, God is not from England, unfortunately. And uh, that is not his language. It's just, it's just how they translated the Bible in that day. And you can actually, 
I don't know if you know this or not. It might be a big revelation for you. You can actually pray to God today without a the or an art or any of that in there, okay? He understands plain English too. And I said this in the last service. He also understands your thick country accents sometimes too, you know? Like he, he understands it all. He, 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 he's not just a proper English guy. That's not who he is. But to say all that, there are three different types of translations that I think it's important for you to know. That when you go to pick a study Bible or, or, just, or just something to read out of, there's three different types. And I want to give you to these and show you the difference of them. Here's the first type. is It's the formal equivalency. Uh, I, honestly, there's some people call it the exact equivalency. Meaning that these, that these, this is a short list of them, but this is the most popular. That these versions are translated word for word. Meaning that they went to the original manuscripts... And scholars who understood those languages got together and they put it in English word for word. The only problem with word for word is sometimes, and you know this, as culture changes, grammar also changes. The way that we use words, the way that we say things over periods of time changes. We're not using the same grammar as the Hebrews or Greeks, and we're not using the same grammar as the, the proper King James people in 1611. We're just, it, things have changed. But some examples of this, uh, of, of this formal equivalency here, one of them is the King James Version, which has all the old English that we've talked about. And then the new King James Version is the next one there on the list. And that's where they essentially just kind of modernized it a little bit. They took uh, all the these and thous out and replaced them with us's and thems and whatever. And then there's a, another translation is the New American Standard Bible. Another one is the ESV. I often use, I, I, I enjoy the ESV Bible. Um, it, it's just inexact. It's a word for word. Each word, one at a time, translated. However, there's another type uh, that is called functional or, or dynamic equivalency. And this group, of, this group is, uh, it, it's functional and it's dynamic just because it's a bit easier to read. They still translated these groups, this, this whole group of Bibles, they translated these from the original text. So they're great translations. They're, they're accurate translations, but they didn't do it word for word. They did it thought by thought. And so instead, instead of doing, oh, it's got to be exactly the word, they said, okay, what, what were these guys trying to convey? What thought are they trying to get across here? And so they did it, so they did it thought by thought. And, and so they took the whole sentence and they put it in today's grammar. And some examples of these, these are my favorite translations. This one, the first one listed up here is the NLT, the New Living Translation, which honestly, I highly recommend the New Living Translation for devotional readings. And the, the NLT is very easy to read. It's very easy to understand. And it's very accurate because it's, it's thought by thought. And so I love the NLT for devotional readings. There's the Good News translation there, and there's the Today's English version, uh, and, and there's the one that I use in church I, every week. It's the NIV. I am a huge fan of the NIV. I, I, think, I, I think the NIV is one of the greatest translations out there. In fact... Uh, when you, when you pick up your message notes, I don't know if you've ever noticed that some of, some of the, uh, some of, at, at the end of some of the scriptures in your message notes, it says, you know, it says it's from the message or from the NLT. And the ones that don't say anything behind them are just from the NIV. 
But it's just because I love, that's, that's what we primarily use here at the church. It's not because it's better than anything else, and, and it's because it's the only true one. It's just the one that I like and prefer. Uh, it, it's just, it, I, I love the NIV. Actually, I really believe that the NIV is one of the best, in my opinion. Uh, it, it, it could be, I think the NIV, you could argue that it could be a formal equivalency as well with this functional equivalency because it actually, the NIV took both the two different methods and put them into one. So the NIV took word for word and they also did thought by thought and said, okay, let's put these two ideas together and see what we see, see how we come up with. And it took a hundred scholars worked on the NIV, uh, worked on this project. And since 1987, it has outsold any other translation, King James Version included, and in my opinion, one of the best, not just, the, not just accurate, but an easy to read one at the same time. So if you're looking for accuracy and easy to read, the NIV, great, great translation. I love it. That's what we use here. Here's, here's one more. So there's three types. There's, there's this last type. It's called the paraphrase. The paraphrase, and they, this is, <laughs> these Bibles, if they're paraphrased Bibles, these guys didn't even go back to the original text. They took English Bibles, and they just reworded the English Bibles to make them easier to understand. In fact, this first one, the Living Bible here, the Living Bible was written not even for people to read. This guy wrote it. He wrote the Living Bible so that his kids could understand the Bible. So if you're looking for a good Bible for your kids, that is, that's total scripture and it's not just picture book or whatever, uh, but it's still very easy to read. The Living Bible is that. And the Message Version, very popular version of the Bible, probably one of the most popular versions. It's just very cool, everybody. Like, I love the Message Version. Uh, I use it here. It's great for devotional reading. And if you just like something a little bit different, I think the message is, is great to just have a different take on scripture. It's beautifully written, I think. I just, I love the words of the message. Uh, in fact, to give you an idea, where, where it would say, like in the King James Version, it would say, in the foremost, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, King James Version, the message would probably say, hey dude, let's go to church. It's gonna be awesome. You know, like that's the type of, that's, that's the message translation. And uh, in fact, yeah, that, no, it's not the message translation, but I did want to show it to you. The differences between these three groups, remember this first one, the King James Version, word for word, it says this, it says, charity suffereth long and, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Char charity vaunteth not itself is, puff is not puffed up, everybody. <laughs> so that's, that's word for word, also with a little proper English twist on it because it's the King James Version. Here's thought by thought. Many of you probably know this scripture, love is patient. Same scripture, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Here's what the message says. The message just makes it a little bit longer, a little bit more thought out. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, it doesn't have a swollen head. And I need, it's just, I, I, I love the message. I think it's beautiful. I love all these translations. I, I just want you to get, just get a translation that works for you. They're all good. Just begin to read script, scripture. Can I tell you, when it comes to studying for messages, I, I study for messages with the formal, because I want the word for word accuracy. I devotion with the functional. 
the, with the phrase, phrase by phrase. And I still read the message in, in, in the living Bible because I just think they're beautiful. I just think, I just think scripture is just so beautiful. All right. Here's another one. And that is simply this. I would love for you to get a study Bible. Now I want you to have a paper Bible. In fact, if you don't have a paper Bible, we've just started giving away paper Bibles in the foyer. We did that on purpose. We want you to have a paper Bible. You use more senses when you read out of a paper Bible. You're looking, you, you, you're, you're smell, the Bible has a smell, everybody. You, you know what your Bible smells like. And, and you touch and you, it's just so many senses. You get it better. I want you to have a paper Bible. And if you don't have one, take them. They're free. They're out in the foyer. Please grab one on your way out. Uh, but some of you, you're ready to step up to a study Bible. And we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna post all of our favorite study Bibles this week on social media. You can take a look at it. But I wanted to give you one of them. I think one of the best ones that I could recommend for you is something called the Life Application Study Bible. So many people use the Life Application Study Bible. Great study Bible. I just, if you're looking for a study Bible, get one, all right? That's another way that you, another dip, you could get a study Bible. Here's another one. I'd love for you to get into a small group. In fact, I think this is one of the most important ones for you to grow deeper is to get into a small group. You say, well, why, Pastor Noah? Well, it's because when you get into a group, that's where you get to discuss it. And some of you, you, you you'll never, ever get it inside of you until you talk about it. You just need to talk about it with some people. And, and it's great that you're here today and you're hearing the word of God. But I can't take all your questions in the next 10 minutes that I got with you. I, I, and I would, I would love to, but you need to find some people and get together. And when you have questions, they, they, can, they can answer those questions. You can discuss it. You can apply it to your life. You need to be in a dynamic setting where you're studying God's word. Guys, even, even if your group doesn't have the curriculum, like uh, even if you don't have a curriculum, even if you just, I'm, I'm hoping that this fall, maybe there's a golfing group or something, you know, like if, if there's, even if we go out golfing, even if we can just say, hey, what did you read today? What scripture did you read today? Or maybe, hey, I didn't understand this. Can I read this to you? Can we talk about this? How can I apply this to my life? I'm just telling you, get in a group, talk about it, and you can grow. That's also why we have semesters. Our groups are just ending. They just, uh, honestly, uh, most small groups have already ended for the summer semester. We're taking a month off to pray in August. And then in September, we're back at it from September all the way till November and Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be having groups and they, we do them in semesters on purpose like that so that you don't have to stay in the same group they, because we know your interest changes over time. Sometimes you want to be in a parenting group. Maybe you want to be in a marriage groups. Maybe some of you, you just, you, you just want to be in an activity group. I don't know what it is, but just, Hey, that's the benefit of us having these semesters, but Hey, here's what happens. No matter what you do, the awesome thing is when you keep dipping and when you get a study Bible, and when you get a translation that you like, and when you get involved in a small group, and when you go consistently to your small group, everybody, hey, this ain't water anymore. You're becoming that. You, you, you're, you're not just reading scripture anymore. You've become it. And I want you, I want this for you, everybody. I want it for you so badly. You see, the Bible was never, ever just meant for you to read and take it in. You were supposed to become it. And that's what happens when you do all these things. It's like, you know, you're dipping that tea bag every time. Here's the last one today. I know I've preached a long time for you. I apologize. I normally, 
normally done by now, but the problem is I had so much content. I just wanted to give it all to you today. Here's, here's the last one. Number four, I want you to make scripture a weapon for the challenges of life. Would you make it a weapon for the challenges of your life? Listen, the Bible says that every single one of us are in a war. Listen, some of you, every, every week, every day, you wake up and you've got your challenges. And you're going to fall in some of those challenges. I'm sorry, everybody. You will fall if you don't have the weapon of God's word. In fact, I'll show it to you. One of the most famous passages in scripture, Ephesians chapter six, tells us about the full set, the armor of God. Many of us, we grew up, we went to VBS and they told us about the armor of God. And we, we, we did the crafts and everything else. And it, it's awesome. And that, look, look at what it says. You've got the armor of God. Why do we have it? So that when the day of evil comes, and it will come in your life, everybody, there will be things that are going to come up against you. You will have your own day of evil. And so when that day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. How do I stand my ground? Well, scripture lists all kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different ways to stand your ground. But the only piece of equipment that scripture gives us the only weapon that's on the whole list is the sword of the Spirit. It says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Scripture lists a lot of a great armor out there, but there's only one weapon. And the Bible says, you are supposed to use the Bible as a weapon. In fact, let's take a look at the message for fun. Hey, look at what the message says. It says, God's Word is an indispensable weapon. You say, well, are, are, are you serious? Are you serious? Well, look at what Jesus, when Jesus was, was tempted, the Bible talks about that when Jesus was on this earth, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, hey, tell these stones to become bread. Now, of course, Jesus could have zapped those stones and made them bread. I mean, he's Jesus, everybody. But no, Jesus fights the devil by saying, hey, devil, here's what scripture says. It is written. The Bible says that this happened to Jesus three times, all three times. Jesus quoted scripture back to the devil. You know what that means? That means you need to know a few scriptures. You need to, you need to have your sword ready. In fact, I was thinking about it this week, this whole idea that when every time you see the devil in scripture and when you see what he does in scripture, the Bible always talks about how the devil is casting these fiery darts. You know what? You, you, know, you know why he's casting the darts? Because he can hide behind something and he can shoot him and you can be a distance away. I think it's very interesting. The scripture says that the one, the one thing that we have, the one weapon that we have is the sword of the spirit. How do you hurt somebody with the sword, everybody? got to get real close. I mean, you've got to be this far away from them, right? You know what that means? It means the devil's going to get about this far away from you in order. I mean, you will go through storms. Bad thing. I, and I hate, and I, I, I wish I could change it for you, but bad things are going to happen. But when they do, you need to pull out that sword. You need to get run nice and close to the devil. You need to have, I, I would encourage you, you need, to, you need to have a few verses memorized. Now, I don't have the whole Bible memorized. I'm very thankful that when I was growing up, went to a school uh, that uh, 
we had to memorize chapters. <laughs> I mean, full chapters of scripture. And I didn't like it back then, but I, I love it now. I love that I understand scripture. In fact, I even learned the importance of it later on when middle school, went to a Lutheran school, memorized a lot of the catechism and stuff from the Lutheran church, and that's great and all, and there's there's lots of principles there, but I have not valued anything more than I've valued that scripture memory that I had when I was a kid. And so I say that I, I have some scriptures memorized, but you need to memorize some scriptures too. In fact, I wrote a couple down for you. I just, just some random things that I was praying about. I was just asking the Lord, I said, hey, what, what are people going through? Here's, here's one. If you're going through a financial challenge today, write down Philippians 4.19. says this, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Hey, you're sick today. Are you, somebody in your family is sick. You say, well, you, you can take them to the doctor and give them medicine. We do all that. That's great. But also, hey, quote some scripture over them. Get your sword out and say, you know what? Psalm 103 says that I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and the one who forgives me of all my sins and heals me of all my diseases. If you're in here, you're lacking confidence today. I listen, when we started this church, 20 years, I was 20 years old. I thought I lacked, I lack a lot of confidence, everybody. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, I am a competent minister of the new covenant, not because of the letter, for the letter kills and the and the spirit gives you life. Guess what, everybody? I'm confident not because of the schooling that I had. I'm confident not, not just because of the things that I've done or the experience that I have. I'm confident because Jesus lives inside of me. Hey, devil, you can try to intimidate me, but I'm confident I've got my sword out. When you have fear, you know what? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world, everybody. And I have been made more than and I have God's word as a weapon and I can use it every single day. And you're in a fight and you better learn how to fight. As I go to the dentist, crown him with many crowns, everybody. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's not a dentist verse. Uh, <laughs> at least I hope not for you. But I, I, I'm telling you, apply it to your life. You've, you've got it. How do you do it? How do you do it? Last point here. Simply the scripture scripture memories. Memorize a few verses. In fact, I brought one last scripture I want to give to you. In fact, this is my this is my prayer over you this week. How can a young person, and don't, you don't have to be young in here either, how can someone like us, how, how can we stay on the path of purity? Well, I pray for you today. I pray that we would live according to God's word. I pray that we would seek God with all of our heart that we would not stray from his commands. I pray that today God's word would be hidden in your heart so that you may not sin against him. Got so much, so much in my heart to share. Sorry I went long today, but I hope, hope you receive something from it. Love to pray for you. Father, today we thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that it is the only weapon that we have against the enemy. God, thank you for protecting us with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and all the things that you mentioned there in Ephesians. 
Lord, I thank you for your word, that we can use your word to fight the battles that we have every day. So Father, for every person in this room who battles in their mind, in their soul, God, at their workplace, with their friends, with their family, Lord, with sickness, with disease, with financial issues,